Welcome to Avatar with Academics. I am Sam Mulberry, and I have never watched Avatar The Last Airbender. And I am Annie Berglund, and I have watched it before. Annie, I'm just going to be upfront about this. When I say I've never watched Avatar The Last Airbender, this is an episode I almost wish I could say I never saw it. I know. I wish we skipped it and just spent like these two episodes on one other Yeah. Instead, we're going to fix this episode. We're going to talk about how you could fix this episode. So we are talking about Book One Water, Chapter 11, The Great Divide. Mm -hmm. We're giving it a good faith effort here. Yeah. 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 So let's jump right into the summary. Um, So we open in a pretty desolate landscape and we see Sokka is wrestling to put up a tent. Right. He's really struggling. Yeah. Uh, and, but if you ever put up a tent, Sokka is just very human at this moment. Tents <laughs> don't go up very easily. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then we see uh, Katara comes in and she wants Sokka to put the tarp on the tent to keep them dry. Like mm-hmm. the tarp that goes over the tent. Um, Sokka, you know, reasonably points out that it's the dry season. Like they're in a desert, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he says he wants to use the tarp as a blanket. Mm. So, you know, they don't have a lot of stuff. If you think about flying around on Appa... There's not like a lot of cargo space there. So, you know, they don't have blankets, although they do have these sleeping bags that they use. So I don't know why you need the tarp too. extra, I guess. But it's, you know, deserts get cold at night. These are people who live in the South Pole. They know they know of cold. That's true. I'm kind of team Sako. Or I'm kind of no team Katara, I guess, because like they don't need another blanket. That's fair. I guess. Couldn't they use Appa's fur too? Like they could pad in their clothes with Appa's fur. Here's my other question. When did they start sleeping in tents? They always sleep just outside by the fire. Yeah. Like, what is it about the desert where they're like, we need to be in a tent? Yeah. I I, I don't know. This already starts out on a great foot here. <laughs> We're already picking nits. <laughs> uh, so he says the, it's that if it doesn't rain, he would have put up the tarp for nothing. He's got a lot of sass. That's right. Uh, Sasaka tells her to focus on collecting firewood because the kindling she's holding, quote, looks pretty sorry. <laughs> Which I liked. <laughs> and then she slams it down to the ground and says, well, if you don't like my firewood, and then Sokka says, fine by me. If you're not going to do your job, then he tears down the tent that he just finished putting up. Yeah. The tone already. It's just this whole episode is pure sibling rivalry. Absolutely. So but, like annoying. So Aang walks up and clearly he's done his job. Uh, he says, I got the grub. And then he notices that Sokka and Katara are sitting there insulting each other. Uh, and he says what I guess passes for the mission statement of this episode. Yeah. He says, listen, guys, harsh words won't solve problems. Action will. Now, what's interesting is even when I heard him say that the first time, I thought that's a troubling mission statement because like that can be interpreted in lots and lots of yep. ways. Yep. Um, but then he suggests, why don't you guys just switch jobs? And they, what's interesting is they both agree but kind of in the like whatever you yeah. know but th- but it's actually like maybe they're better fit for those other jobs <laughs> right well yeah and it's like i think because ang told them to they'll be like okay sure whatever like, yeah you know yeah. it's ang he's kind of the leader i guess and then we have ang almost like mugging for camera um saying <laughs> you see that settling feuds and making peace all in a day's work for the avatar which is so it's just like even that line is is very weird. okay we i gotta stop being critical i just need to get through the episode <laughs> it's so hard not to be critical uh, right so we see momo and appa fighting over a watermelon and i think it's momo fighting over the watermelon and appa's just oh appa's appa. playing with him he yeah. like has his paw on it and momo's so little and trying to get it out and yeah right uh, and Aang throws it up in the air and splits it, and uh, and he gives the bigger half to Appa, and he's yeah. like, "Come on, Momo, that's fair. Appa's got five stomachs. Yeah, they shouldn't go halvesies on a watermelon, right? Well, and this whole this whole opening scene is just like 
the crew is hangry. Yeah. The crew wants food and they're really grumpy about it. I, I'm glad you said that because this is – it is angry Ang we're going to see throughout this episode. And actually not eating is part of this. So yes. it is hangry. Maybe this whole thing Ang. is just a story for kids who like need to eat when their parents tell them to eat. I think about like my four-year-old niece and when she doesn't eat food, she just – she just she's not herself right like she goes into tantrums and and uh and she rarely does that right when her parents mm-hmm. are like we told you to eat maybe that's what this is I it's a kid show there you go may, may, you okay, you're you're redeeming it as we go here <laughs> so then we cut to a shot that's sort of panning over what seems like an endless canyon it's like a grand canyon shot if the grand canyon never stopped yeah um, and there's very like pioneer kind of western sounding it's kind of goofy i actually think the music in this episode's there's not a lot good about it. The music's not bad. The music fits this idea. It's the tone, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so if they're playing with genre, this feels like a like a 1930s or 40s Western of pioneers crossing America or something. Like the music yeah. works for that. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Um, and uh, Katara is sort of looking out over this. We see the hero sort of standing on this cliff, surveying the landscape, and Aang says, there it is, guys, the Great Divide, Mm -hmm. which is our title, Mm -hmm. which will have double meanings. Uh, And Katara's in awe, sort of like taking in the landscape, and Sokka just wants to get going, which just actually feels like what happens on a road trip. You know, somebody was like, wants to stop and look at all the like roadside things. And the other person's like, let's just keep going. Oh my gosh. Or in a museum, like my husband will read every single plaque and I'm like, all right, no, we got to keep going. I'm I'm, I'm with Sokka on this one. Like, honestly, they all should have just flown over. Well, it would solve the, it would solve the problem. The problem coming up. Yeah. This is maybe hindsight bias here. Um, because I got to say, I'm kind of team Katara on this. Uh, so we see this well-dressed man rush in <clears throat> who's very, like, indignant. And he says that he was here first uh, for the canyon guide. And <clears throat> Katara is intrigued by the idea of a canyon guide mm-hmm. and says, that sounds informative. Um, are you with Katara on that? Or are you like, no, let's just go? Uh- no, I would just, I mean, they know that Aang has a, like a final battle in like oh, half a year. See, <laughs> I, I got to say, though, I am a sucker for a tour guide. I love guided tours. So I'm with oh. Katara on this as well. Like when I heard that, that I was like, yep, I'm in. Really? I'm excited. Oh, I Man, love tour guides. I, I can. I'd love to be a tour guide. I like to listen to tour guides. Even audio tours. I can't like in museums. No, I would much rather like an art museum. Just rather walk around and look at things. You know? uh, I will say an audio tour. But if it's like a real person walking me around, I'm so sure. in on that. You know what? Okay. I'm a sucker for the um, ghost tours. And this felt, oh, a, he felt fun. like a little bit of a ghost tour yeah, kind of person. I dig the guide. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to him. Anyway, we're getting in the weeds here. All right. So, um, so he says that the, the young man says that the guide is an earthbender and the only way in and out of the canyon is with his help. And what's funny is you see Sokka behind him, like kind of mocking him with mocking the way he talks. Oh and, yeah. yeah. And I'm, again with Sokka, like this guy's only yelling. That's all he does. Like right. the voice actor is just yelling. Right. Uh, and he says like, you know, he's taking my tribe next. And Sokka's like, calm down. We know you're next. <laughs> they don't even want the guide. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what's funny about this. It's so assumed. Um, and he says, well, you wouldn't be calm if the Fire Nation destroyed your home and forced you to flee. 
Which they kind of did. Yeah, right. Like, okay, know who you're talking to, right. sir. Well, how would he know? But, but, but I, like, yeah, I mean, they're refugees, but he's got some Water Nation people and the only airbender in the world. <laughs> the last airbender. Yeah, they know of like the destruction that comes from the Fire Nation. Um, and he says, uh, my whole tribe has to walk thousands of miles to the capital city of Ba Sing Se. Now, mm-hmm. we've heard of this before. We've heard of this capital. They were going to take Iroh there. Yeah. Right? For his, like, war crimes, I guess. Yeah. So, presumably, they were way closer to Ba Sing Se before. Yeah. Because they were going to just travel on those ostrich, armed ostriches, right? And so, now, and so, the capital city of Ba Sing Se, I guess, is, like, if refugees are going there, it's a safe spot. Mm-hmm. It's not touched by the Fire Nation. Well, perhaps? we know we know from listening to uh, Zhang that that it hasn't fallen yet. Right. So that would be the that would be the safest place because that's what that's the the key domino they need to fall. Mm. Um, and Katara says, uh, "Oh, you're a refugee," and he kind of snottily says, "Tell me something I don't know." He's so just off just from the start, an right. unpleasant person. Right. So then we see another tribe appro- approaching, and they're like, "Is that your tribe?" Uh, and he's like, "Most certainly is not. That's the Zhang tribe, a bunch of lowlife thieves. They've been the enemy of my tribe for a hundred years." Yep, and we see just even the way that they're dressed, uh, like the the Zhang are like wearing furs, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. They're and, meant to look a little rougher around the edges, right? And, for sure. And then um, the we learn that they're the Ganjin, right? The Ganjin, yeah. Um, just look like kind of put together and hot, like kind of like elites, I guess. Yeah, I, I think the way that I thought about it is that when you look at the Ganjin, it kind of reminds me of like the elves in Lord of the Rings. They seem to be tall, long, slender, yes, long, long, silky hair. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, um, where where you could think of the the Zangs more like the the dwarfs. I mean, not that they're small like that, but they're just like rougher. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Um, now, one question I had: the leader of the Zangs mm. is that a man or a woman? I thought it was a woman. Okay, I like it's 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 unclear to a certain degree. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I thought it was a woman too, but there, but but I didn't get that right away, and I was like. I don't know how gender fluid the uh, the Zhang tribe is. Sure, yeah, and not that we need to put labels on things, but it was it was interesting. To yeah, me. no, I even was like, oh, maybe it's like a matriarchal society or something. Yeah, like, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Um. So he, the Zhangs are all like, well, I didn't know that the uh, Canyon Guide took reservations because obviously the Ganjins aren't there. It says, of course, I'm going to read all these insults because this is basically all my notes. <laughs> of course you didn't. That's the ignorance I'd expect from a messy Zhang. I love messy. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to start calling people messy. <laughs> Unorganized and ill-prepared for a journey. And then we see the earth shake and a bunch of rocks move out of the way and clear a pass into the canyon. So this is the canyon guide. And he says, who's ready to pass through the canyon? He, to me, looked like an Earth Kingdom version of Iroh. Like yeah, chubbier, I, mm-hmm. shorter, old, like same age. But crazy powerful. Yes. Yeah. Like Iroh. I loved his voice. Oh, yeah. I yes. did a little looking in to see. Because I thought, man, that sounds like a voice that I know. Um, so... Uh, growing up, did you ever watch the uh, the original like Gene Wilder Willy Wonka movie? Yeah, he is the he is the actor who played uh, Violet Beauregard's father. No way! Yeah, that's the Canyon guy. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I should tell you what his name is. His name is 
um, Leonard Stone. So oh. that seemed like the role he, that I was most I most recognized. He would him be in. a Leonard. I like that. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So he's got a great voice. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, the Ganjin man says that he's holding a place uh, in line for his tribe, and he's and the guide says, "Well, I can't guide people who aren't here." At which the Zhang seem really pleased. Right. It's like okay, well, <laughs> and then and then we see the Ganjin appear. Uh, like we said, with their great posture and fine clothes. Yep. Uh, and the Zhang's like, we're refugees too. We've got sick people who need shelter. Yeah. And then the, the Ganjin are like, well, we have old people. It's like they're fighting over who has the most infirm people in their group. Right. And then they go into like a weird set of insults. So the Ganjin say, maybe you Zhangs wouldn't have so many sick people if you weren't such slobs. Not a terrible argument. Yeah. To which the, the Zangs respond, if you Ganjins weren't so clean, maybe you wouldn't live to be so old. <laughs> it's kind of dark. Sad. That is a weird argument. Um, shows us life there, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so what's interesting is Katara sees this and she's thinking about Aang as peacemaker, right? And says, mm-hmm. Aang, are you ready to put your peacemaking skills to the test? Uh, and Aang doesn't want to. Yeah. He Which says. Fair. Yeah, a fight over chores is one thing. These people have been feuding for a hundred years. Yeah, like just fly with Appa. Yeah. (laughs) They could still slip out. Like this just seems like it's going to be a mess. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what's interesting is Katara outs Aang at this point. Right. And she's like, Aang's the Avatar. Which I thought was a weird choice because that has not always panned out well in the past. Right, right. But she said, but she does know that they're refugees flying, fleeing the Fire Nation. Sure. So, so I, maybe her heart goes out to them. Although that doesn't seem to be. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know why she. Although Katara is somebody who wants to get involved in solving problems. That's true. Um, th- I just don't know if this problem always feels like it's worth it. Um, yes. So she says he can settle disputes if they let him. Uh, and Aang says, "Well, you could use the Earthbender and travel together. You could share the Earthbender." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To which they say, we'd rather be taken by the Fire Nation than travel with those stinking thieves. That's the Ganjin. And the Zhang say, we wouldn't travel with you pompous fools anyway. And here's where we get the first angry Aang. <laughs> which w- I'm so okay with. This. Yeah. You know, it's warranted. He just basically puts his foot down and says, you're going down together. Appa, Appa here will fly your sick and elderly across. Which to me, okay, so Appa even looks like a covered wagon mm-hmm. so for me i was like of course like they're all on appa and he takes them across like that visually and with like the western music in the background it was ex like that was actually it great. was it, what's interesting though is like the sick and elderly although they're from different tribes they seem perfectly fine with flying across yeah. they don't seem at war with each other i know they're just sitting they're, just, like, they're really passive they're just yeah. like sitting on top of appa like all right <laughs> right um so we see Aang apologize. We cut to the next scene. Aang's apologizing to Appa about having to take the sick and elderly across without him. I mean, because like Appa's not like a bus service, right? You know, and and it'd be one thing if if Aang was going with, but he's just like, you take these over here. We'll meet you over there. Right. So I, I like that Aang acknowledges we're kind of using Appa right now in ways that maybe we shouldn't. But also, I'm kind of like, wouldn't that trip take Appa zero seconds? Like, it seems like it because they covered this in like a day. Right. So it seems like Appa could do it pretty quickly and he could. But again, it's not fair to Appa to have him shuttle a bunch of people across. Right. True. Yeah. And yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's and- interesting, though, that 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 um, maybe maybe Aang feels for the Earthbender where he doesn't want to just send him alone because because. Mm. Because Katara and Sokka and Aang could join the sick and elderly at flying flying across and say True. we'll meet you there, but but they all go. So I think I think his heart goes out to the Earthbender. Yeah, and like um, maybe the amount of people that are on Appa like also limits him too. Yeah, there's more people than normal anyway. Yeah, like, that's we've true. seen that boy like 
lift heavy weights. So. Yeah, yeah, and and fly across oceans. So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Sokka wonders if it's a good idea to get involved with these feuding tribes. So, again, here we're seeing he and Sokka a little bit, or he and, uh, Katara a little bit different. And Aang's, to tell the truth, I'm not sure, but when have I ever been? <laughs> so, good point. Aang has some good lines. Uh, and Katara's like, he's the Avatar. Making peace between people is his job. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, she's, she's leaning into that Avatar identity and that part of the job description. So, the guide announces that no food is to be allowed in the canyon because it attacks dangerous predators. Finally, something that uh, the Ganjins and the Zangs can agree on because they're all upset at this. They all brought their food. Yep. Yeah. And then we see them quickly like try to devour their food. Yes. And, but again, yeah. just hangry people. Yep. This whole episode. And Aang sends uh, sends Appa across. So then we see him walking down the canyon pass. And the guy, this is rad, like earth bends out this bridge from the rock wall yeah. side. Yeah. Like no effort whatsoever. And uh, and and the guide says this job's more than bending. Folks want information. Again, I'm all in for a tour guide. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're loving him. I do because because then he tells how the canyon was formed, and this is sort of ghost toury because yes. canyons are usually formed by rivers, but here he's like. You know, this canyon was carved by ancient earth spirits who were angry at local farmers for not offering them a proper sacrifice. And, this does not look like farmland. And then you see Aang in the background and he's like rolling his eyes at that. Right. Um, uh, so then he, you see this sort of, uh, this avalanche come and he bends it away and he says, I guess the spirits are st- are still angry. I hope you brought sacrifices. <laughs> so just like, that is like a ghost tour guide kind of thing. Yes. To be like, maybe it's haunted. <laughs> this is a great Halloween episode. Oh, there you go. Well, Silver no, lining. it is a Halloween episode. It's, it there's nothing great. Uh, so then we're on the <laughs> canyon fl- floor and we see the guide bend the boulder bridge uh, away uh, to keep the Fire Nation from following them. So it is a reminder that, that these people are in danger, too. Right. So now, but now they can't go back up. Right. Yeah. Without, I mean, without him, he could pull that back I suppose. up. suppose, yes, yeah. true. Uh, so then we see this huge insect-type monster appear from the dust in the background. It's like a spider, kind of, like a massive spider. Yeah, but only with four legs. Yeah. So it's not actually One an of those insect, yeah. Avatar hybrid things. Right. So he grabs the guide. And we see Aang airbend, and it kind of does nothing, mm. which is, which is, which is, there's, there's lots of moments here where Aang's powers don't do exactly what we're used to seeing them do. Mm-hmm. So Sokka throws a boomerang at it, and it drops the guide and starts to chase Sokka. So the boomerang actually worked when airbending didn't, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Katara tries water whipping it. Air, airbend, Aang airbends it back, kind of like with a karate chop move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then creates a tornado with his staff and whips it away. And it, like escapes back into wherever crevice it came from. Right. And they ask, like, what was that? And the guide says it was a canyon crawler and there's sure to be more. And the guide then announces that his arms are broken. Aww. So he can't bend. He needs his arms to bend. The only character I like in this episode. That's right. So they're trapped in the canyon. Yep. Uh, and the Ganjins immediately accuse the Zangs of bringing food, which attracted the crawlers. The Zangs accuse the pampered Jins. Uh, and they say they won't walk any further with the other tribes. And again, that they can agree on. And the guide <laughs> goes, uh, we need to get out of this canyon. I won't die down here. I won't become part of the food chain. <laughs> yeah. What is happening in his I think, mind? I wonder, like, how many times has he led people through this canyon? Because yeah. he's, he's over it at yes. this point. Um, yeah, this this is like his his uh, last day on the job. You can, you can kind of tell. Uh but here we get angry Ang again. He says, enough. We should split up. The Ganjins on one side, the Zangs on the other. We'll travel in two separate lines. So it's like 
there's a, a big rock divide between mm-hmm. these two paths. And I don't know how, how Aang knows that these will lead to the same place because it looks like they're walking into a maze. But um, he has them he has them separated. And he sends Sokka with the Zangs and Katara with the Jins. Um, and he says, see if you can figure out why they hate each other so much. So it's interesting because last week we talked a lot about leadership. Yeah. And who's the leader and do we need a the leader? And right. Aang has now assumed that that role, at least in this. He, yeah. He, when he gets angry, he starts just barking out orders, right? Yeah. And, and you know, but it's interesting. He, he splits them up, but he does tell Sokka and Katara because they're the only people not involved in this to say, like, can you figure out what's happening? And And they... Again, like, he assumes leadership, but they just go along with it. Yeah. Yeah, there's no questioning, really. Yeah, because he actually probably is a pretty fitting a pretty fitting uh, leader here. Mm-hmm. So we see then Aang up on the rocks overlooking the two camps. Uh, the Zang, In the Zang camp, uh, Sokka notices that they don't put up the tarp for their tent. <laughs> and they say it's the dry season, and we like to use the tarp as a blanket. And, and Sokka's like, finally someone gets it. He loves it. it. Yeah. Uh, and in the, Jin, uh, the Ganjin camp... It's very orderly. They have tarps over all of their tents, and they comment to Katara, uh, you can't be too careful, right? And Katara just looks justified. Again, somebody gets it. Somebody yep. understands her way of looking at it. Also uh, how, like, trivial both sides are, that it's literally mirroring, mirroring a sibling rivalry is, like, this whole thing, their arguments, everything is so trivial. Right. Uh, so then we cut to the camps at night and we see the Ganjins sitting. I noticed this sitting in like a square around their fire. I mean, oh. they, they weren't they weren't in a circle around the fire. Oh. They were sitting in a, in a square and they're eating. And Katara's like, you you brought food? Yeah. Uh, and, and he says, uh, oh, come on now. Do you really think that the tribe of thieves isn't smuggling in food? So Katara eats with them and asks the question, why does your tribe hate the Zang so much? So she's doing her job. She's doing what Aang asked. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we cut to this uh, kind of flashback sequence while, while, he's te- while the leader of the, the Ganjin are telling the story. And the, the animation style shifts to kind of this grand, epic, heroic animation style. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was, I don't know. I didn't really know how to des- have the words to describe it, but that's, they look, it looks like Greek mythology or uh, something yes, a little bit exactly. more. Exactly. That's yeah. what I would say. So I'm just going to read, read the story he tells because this is an episode about storytelling. He says, the patriarch of our tribe, Jin Wei, was an earthbender warrior who was assigned an important duty transporting our sacred orb from the great eastern gate to the great western gate taking the orb from the east to the west represents the sun's rising and setting it was our tribe's ancient redemption ritual but as he approached the gate Jin Wei was attacked by one of the Zhang a vermin named Wei Jin uh, who looked at the orb with envy that coward Wei Jin knocked Jin Wei to the ground and stole our sacred orb our people have never forgotten then we see Katara sort of looking angrily over at the Zang camp. Yeah, which I wrote in my notes, I didn't love that because it felt like both her and Sokka were so easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. And we just came out of an episode where Katara was manipulated by yeah. um, Jet, right? Uh-huh. And it just feels like she was so easily willing to to trust something that she has no stake in at all. Well, and it's so interesting, you know, what if Aang had gone the other way and sent Sokka with the the mm. um the Ganjin and Katara with the Zangs. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah. Because they would have uh it wouldn't have been such a match. Right. And know? they might have yeah, there'd be like more empathizing, I think. Yeah. So so then I feel like we um 
yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like, like, um, like, yeah, I mean, Aang just sort of matched them up the way that they were. And, and, mm-hmm. and I feel like, so maybe Aang as a leader, like he's a, he is definitely like in charge, but maybe he dropped the ball a little bit on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we cut to the Zang cap and we see them sitting around their campfire and they offer Sokka some meat, mm-hmm. which Sokka is very happy to take. Yeah. He doesn't, he's not like, oh, you guys brought that down. He's just like, right. okay, sure. He starts wolfing <laughs> food down and he says, the uh, and the leader says the Ganjin, uh, think so badly of us, they probably assumed we brought food in and decided to bring in food themselves. That's why we brought food in. <laughs> so, what, But what's interesting is, like, that's accurate, mm, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so uh, so then they tell their story of why they hate each other. And I loved their animation style. Yeah, how I would you describe fun. it? Angular. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's sort of, I wrote colorful, angular, kind of pop animation yeah. style. I was... A word I didn't want to use was because it's it's not exactly accurate. It's more abstract. I was to say primitive, but there's mm-hmm. a, there's an element of abstract art that that actually is trying to be more primitive, and it's sort of a little bit of that. Yeah, I loved it too. I thought this was I liked this style way better. Yeah, I agree. What's that? What's that Disney movie where um, a prince becomes a llama? I didn't see that one. I've oh. never heard of that. No, I think it's I... the the princely llama from Disney. <laughs> Oh, no, I can't remember. It's similar to that art. Oh, shoot. Okay, well, people listening, maybe you know. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> oh, fail. I, I, I've seen most Disney movies. That one doesn't sound familiar. Okay. <laughs> it exists. Uh, so here's the story that they say. They say, our conflict with uh, Ganjin goes back over 100 years. Our forefather, Weijin, was leaving the western gate of our village when he saw a figure in the distance. It was a man of the Ganjin tribe, Jinwei, collapsed on the ground. Noble Wei Jin stopped to help him. Jin Wei was transporting the sacred orb, a very powerful relic used in the tribes. Turning the page. Um, used in the tribes' redemption ritual. Wei Jin tried to tend to the man's wounds, but Jin Wei insisted the orb was more important and asked him to take it back to his tribe. Kind Wei Jin promised to send help, or the man soon, for the man as soon as he could. But as soon as Wei Jin crossed the border to return the orb into uh, Ganjin territory, he was arrested. Instead of thanking him for his kind, selfless deed, they sen- sentenced him to 20 long years in prison. We Zangs will never forget that injustice. Okay, can I just interject? Yes. It's Emperor's New Groove. Ah, that's not a Disney movie. Is it not? No. that's. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Sh- uh, now that I say that, maybe it is. I thought that was like one of those other. Nah, maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe it is. Anyway, reminds me of the art. Now someone's going to look up Ember's New Groove and be like, that doesn't look like this at all. (laughs) This is not the place to litigate, (laughs) to litigate that. Moving on. So, so we, we get that we get both sides of the story. Not surprising, right? Like, like sort of seeing themselves. Sokka buys into it. Yep. Uh, And then we cut up to the rocks up above where we see Aang and Momo looking down at the two campsites. And, And, like, honestly, Momo has a good spot. He doesn't have to be by any of that crap. Yeah, yeah. You know, hang with Aang. But they seem lonely and definitely wishing they were Mm, eating. mm -hmm. And I hate to break this to you, Annie, but uh, Momo catches a bug and offers it to Aang and Aang because he's a vegetarian, doesn't take it. But then Momo eats it. So you like to say Momo's a vegetarian, but clearly he eats bugs. I am not accepting this episode as canon. Okay. So, Non-canonical Momo y- eating bugs. Right. Um, because 
I would argue that no one is their actual self at all in this episode. The most, the person who's most like themselves, I guess, would be Aang. Mm-hmm. But like, you have Momo, who's like greedy for food, where we never really see Momo do that. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll go chase bugs. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like more happy go lucky. We have Sokka, who's like more stubborn than he ever is. We have Katara, who like verges on bossy, where I think this episode or this series tries to play her off as being like, a leader, but not falling into like her being bossy, right? Mm-hmm. And some of those like feminine or like um kind of sexist interpretations of women who lead. Uh, and then like Aang is uncharacteristic at the end. We'll see. Yeah, so, I don't yeah. know. No, I I think you're right. I think they're they're. I'm fully open to this being outside of the canon, although it it is. I'm sure it's canonical because it's an episode <laughs> in the show. I'm just not going to accept Momo is not a vegetarian. All right. Uh, so the guide looks over at Aang and Momo and says, it's lonely, isn't it, being impartial? <laughs> Which is actually a pretty powerful moment in the episode, like yeah. thinking about that. Like, like because this is going to point to Aang as the Avatar having to wrestle with the fact that, like, he's going to need to stay out of some of these divides and these splits. Oh, yeah. That are, that are inevitable with people. Right. Even if he does side, he might have to. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, uh, so Aang says, I wish I could help these people get along. But it just seems impossible. Anyhow, I guess our biggest problem is getting out of here. To which the guide says, I'm not so sure the two problems are unrelated. Which is what passes for, like, an important line in this episode. Like, like, it's funny. This has the structure of an Avatar episode where people say these things that are, like, full of portent for things that are coming. But, like... That's that's the closest we get. Yeah, I don't buy it. And it is like the Iroh figure who's the one doing mm-hmm. it. So, he, yeah. yeah, it like mirrors what it could have been. Right, know? right. Uh, so then we cut to morning and Aang announces that we're almost to the other side. He asks if the two sides can work together long enough to get out of the canyon. Uh, he asks that to Katara and Sokka. Katara and Sokka each take the side of the tribe they're traveling with, which we've already seen. We saw that happen, yep. yeah. And so then Aang says, let's get everyone together at the base of the canyon wall. So they're basically at the other side now. They just need mm-hmm. to get up the wall. Uh, and Aang says, I need you to put all of your heads together to figure out a way up the cliff. Obviously not going to work with these two groups. Right. They start to criticize each other. Um, so Aang goes back to the mission statement for the episode and says, again, harsh words won't solve problems. Mm-hmm. Action will. <sighs> Now, the leaders of the two tribes interpret this to mean that they should stop talking and start fighting. Right, which you said, like, that's a problematic statement. Yep, it's easy to interpret in a very dangerous way. So right. they, they draw their weapons, and the uh, the Ganjin leader says, we're going to fight to the death. Let this be the end of our rivalry. So they are thinking, can can we solve this problem right here, but solve it with swords? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a point where they cut each other's, uh, the, the Ganjin leader's beard and the Zhang leader's pom-pom pigtail thing. I don't know what you'd call... What do you call a little ball like that? Oh, man. You're asking a woman with short hair. Yeah. I do not know. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to stick with pom-pom pigtail type thing because it's (laughs) sort of like a pom-pom on a stocking cap, but it's her hair and she's got one on each side like a pigtail. So that's that's what I'm going to call it. No, it's a new thing. It's a new thing you made. There you go. Uh, so then Aang uses uses airbending to sort of blow the two tribes it's apart. It's like it's like um, Moses parting the sea. It is, right? yeah. And so this is angry, hangry Aang again. Mm-hmm. Um, so he see and, and in doing this, then they all start to like put themselves together and they start picking up food off the ground. So Aang sees that they've all smuggled in food. And he says, you guys put our lives in danger because you couldn't go a day without a snack. And he's you, not wrong. You're all awful. <laughs> 
This is, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, and because remember, Aang's the only one who didn't get to eat, right? Yeah. He's been up on the, uh, been up on the rocks. And, yeah, yes, and he's angry again. I, I don't know. I, I like angry Aang sometimes. This feels justified. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but then he, we see a different Aang, which I don't like. Uh, Aang sees this egg custard tart and turns into what I would describe as a huge-eyed anime character from a different show. It's like, what was that? Like, all oh, of a sudden, yeah. like... Like cutesy and... Yeah, and, and like like longing after this egg tart. Yeah. Egg custard tart. Um, and at this point, the canyon crawlers appear because there's all this food out on the ground. Uh, and we see Katara and Sokka kind of reconcile. They're like, I don't care about this stupid feud. And they run to go fight the crawlers. And they're like, I only took the other side because they gave me food. Right. <laughs> like, right. Hunger. Um, so we see Aang taking on the crawlers. He does this thing where it's like he balls them up. So there's this like big ball of canyon crawlers and yeah. then disperses them with air. But to no real avail. Like they're just like... Okay, like they're kind of stunned for a second, but it doesn't really do anything. Um, and everyone starts to fight them off. So they are, you know, working together. Uh, or they're working to defend themselves. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then Aang shows everyone how to use the food to bag and cover the heads of the crawlers and ride them. So this is where they really start working together. Right. They're following what Aang does, and they end up riding the crawlers out of the canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we're at the cliff of the canyon. And uh, we see that the the two sides are starting to come together a little bit. They say, "I never thought a Ganjin could use his could get his hands dirty like that." And the uh, the Ganjin say, "I never knew you Zangs were so reliable in a pinch. Perhaps we're not so different after all." So we're thinking, "Okay, that's the resolution. We've yeah. had to come together." Oh, the episode's done. But it's not because the uh, Ganjin leader says, "Too bad we can't rewrite history," and they start to duel see, again. What? They are so obnoxious. Yes, they're like children. And uh, and Aang jumps in there and says, because they start talking about Jin Wei and Wei Jin. Yeah. And Aang's like, wait a second. I'm just going to read read his story that he tells. He says, mm-hmm. wait a second. God, uh, Jin Wei and Wei Jin? I know those guys. No, I mean, I really knew them. I may not look it, but I'm 112 years old. Uh, I was there 100 years ago on the day you were talking about. And here we cut to a th- Another animation style, which I can only describe as like anime Muppet Babies. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Yes. It's like very cutesy overdone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's awful. <laughs> um, especially for something you want to take seriously. And then it's like, okay. Yeah. Yep. So he says uh, that he was there on that day. He says, there seems to be a lot of confusion about what happened. First of all, Jin Wei and Wei Jin weren't enemies. They were brothers. Twins, in fact. I mean, the names. Yeah. The names are similar. They the, me- yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they were eight. And most importantly, they were just playing a game. The sacred orb from legend, that was the ball. And the eastern and western gates were the goalposts. Jin Wei had the ball and was running towards the goal when he fell and fumbled it. Wei Jin didn't steal the ball. He picked it up and started running back towards the other goal. But he stepped out of bounds. So the official, which in the which in this <laughs> image is a panda with a hat and a whistle. Amazing. Uh, I did like the panda. Uh, mm-hmm. Put him in the penalty box, not for 20 long years, but for two short minutes. There was no stealing and no putting anyone in prison. It was just a game. And people are like, oh, I guess it's time we forget the past. Yeah. Which, yep. Yeah, okay, we'll yeah, talk about it. <laughs> I suppose that we forget the past and look to the future and they kind of bow to each other, which is like a weird, bad version of the Gyatso line, which I actually do think is a mission statement for the show, which right. is we can't concern ourselves with what was, 
but we must act on what is. Yeah, true. You know, and it's like that's I feel like this episode takes that and, and ruins it in a couple ways. It, it's it simplifies it. Yeah. To where it. Yeah, to where it's problematic. Yeah, and even the, like, harsh words won't solve our problems, action will. Like, that's, he feels, like, kind of embedded in that. Like, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's not the same as what Gyatso was talking about. Um, so then we see the two tribes and Appa, now they're, everyone's reunited. And the, the Ganjin leader says, I can't thank you enough, Avatar. Uh, and they say, let's travel to the Earth Kingdom capital as one tribe. And we see them walk off. Uh, and Sokka says, that's some luck that you knew Wei Jin and Jin Wei. And Aang says, you could call it luck or you could call it lying. And Sokka and Katara look shocked. And I think audience members would be too. Yes, absolutely. So he says, I made the whole thing up. Then we get the last line of the episode, which is Katara saying, that's so wrong. But she says it in the same tone of, that's so cool. And that's the cringe for me. Yeah. That is absolutely the... I mean, when they give, I mean, they give each other grief for, for doing, like, stealing the waterbending scroll. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that is more understandable. I think that's a, it's a bigger gray area because it's, like, it's from her tribe mm-hmm. and it was obviously stolen to start. And, like, they were like, oh, you shouldn't do that. And Sokka, like, looked down on her for it and, and gave her grief. And now here it's like, oh, ha, you lied about someone's history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some, like, very important to their identity. So this episode, it, it's like, I'm so glad that it was this late in the first season because if this was like episode three. Oh, yeah. I, You're out. I might have been like, did we make a huge mistake saying we were going to do this? Right. Um, because I do think, as we pointed out, it really ruins some of these characters that we love and that are nuanced. And I mean, and this is a show that's willing to ask some really big uh, difficult questions, mm. um, you know, difficult questions about um, about leadership, difficult questions about ethics and morality and war, difficult questions about lots of things. And then this kind of makes light of of history, history and myth. And it and and it also just makes light of like the the uh, ethical stances and ethical questions that the show asks and it just sort of passes it off as like oh you scamping yeah absolutely they make it funny and that's where it's like "Hmm." when ang we know ang's not perfect like they make that pretty clear right he's not a perfect hero like he has flaws he has ways that he can grow but they take that really seriously in previous episodes and this it's like he clearly did something wrong and it's like brush it off yeah yeah a couple of the things about this episode before we get into trying to fix it. <laughs> um, the show is just better with, with Zuko. Yes. So this is another episode without Zuko, and it's like, we really need that. We really yeah. need, need even if he's in a different part of the world doing something that's only tangentially related, like, I, I think I need Zuko and Iroh. Oh, yeah. Um, an interesting thing about this episode is it felt like it could have, like it has no relationship to the show we've been watching. Like it doesn't push the for, the story forward at all. No, there's, you could skip it. There's literally nothing that I learned in this episode. And in fact, there's things I wish I could unlearn. Um, so, so, <laughs> Momo. Like, so I'm almost wondering if like in the writer's room, they had a 20 episode, they had to make 20 episodes and they, and I, maybe there'll be more that, that I feel this way about, but it was like, well, we we need to, we just need one more so they're like well let's let's do this story and you know right. and and i think this story could have worked 
And I think we could have learned things. It could have asked some big questions. I just think this oh, yeah. version of it doesn't. Now, it, what's interesting, this is written by a guy named uh, John O'Brien. He's the, the lead writer on this episode. So he's a staff writer on the show. He's part of... He's in the writer's room for the whole thing. Okay. Um, he writes – he's the the head writer on 12 episodes or the lead writer on 12 episodes. Wow. Um, we've seen two of them so far before The Great Divide. So he wrote last week's The Waterbending Scroll. Oh, Which okay. is a good episode. Yeah. I really think that one's very interesting. He also wrote The King of Amashu. Ooh. Which you said was one that is not universally loved by people. Yeah, I love it. But yeah, you're right. Like – I don't know. I can't remember what it was. Do you remember what it was that people didn't like about that one? Well, I think just that it does have the um, like the oh, reveal. Yeah, the, the yes. reveal at the end, um, which seemed effective. I actually think that episode is so funny. Me too. You know, and this episode is also trying to be lighter and funnier. But I would love to know, like, like was the first draft of this episode better, and they needed to like change it somehow? Like, like it. It's because because I thought the King of Amashu is, is has so much like Monty Python type humor, yeah. and I I really think it's genuinely funny. And this one, there's if you can tell from what we said, like we're kind of picking at little nits here, but it's also like the story's just not that interesting, right? It has a twist and a reveal, but the twist and the reveal is really bad. Yeah. Um. And it and and you know there's going to be a twist and reveal, but it's like oh it it was bad when we heard the story. And then it got worse when we found out that the story wasn't even true. Right. Um, because that that moves us from, eh, it's a dumb resolution, to Aang is lying about a dumb resolution. Yeah. Um, and, and the show wants us to accept that and wants us to accept that as part of Aang. Yeah. So... I have to believe that they were crunched on time or something, you know. Yeah, I think I think that they maybe they had 19 episodes and they had to fill one more time slot yeah, and they're like, like, do it in a weekend. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Annie, how do we fix this episode? Besides tossing it out? Well, that is an option. I mean, that's one thing we could do. We could just say it doesn't exist. And actually, I ha- so I have four different uh, ways I think we could oh. try to fix this. Actually, I have five ways. I have no ways, so okay. I'm excited to hear these. Okay, so I'm going to go through these, and then you can tell me what, what you think of them. So uh, way number one would be really to toss it out. Um, which is what is what I'm calling the new heart ending. Now you're not old enough to know what the new heart ending is. Do you know what that is? No. So there was a, a show uh, in the '80s called the New Heart Show, or I think it was called, yeah, I think it was called the New Heart Show. Bob Newhart was the yeah. star of it, right? Yep. Um, and in the '70s there was a show, and I might get have these titles mixed up. There was a show called the Bob Newhart Show. Okay. Where he was like a, I think he was like a therapist or something in that show. I never saw the '70s show. Yeah. But in the '80s show, he ran an inn in like the New England somewhere. But in the last episode of New Heart, he wakes up and the whole yes. that whole show was a dream. That's I remember hearing about that and I think the Conan O'Brien podcast or something like yes. yeah as like this great ending like hilarious. Yeah. So he wakes up in bed with his wife from the show from the 70s and yeah. it's like oh I just had the weirdest dream and it was it was that in, and that show ran for like 8 years like it was <laughs> not like an insignificant thing bold so, move so we could say this whole thing was a dream now I, I don't want to get too out too far ahead of us but uh, episode 12 which we're, is going to be in the feed next how does it start starts with a dream so it could be this is part of that dream part of that nightmare <laughs> yes so okay so that that that's number 1 we okay. could we could say it is what it is but then we can kind of strip it out of the canon that way. Yeah. Uh, other ways we could fix this episode. We could make Aang's story true. 
Right. I agree. That's the easiest one is to make it true. And you could also make it a little less stupid. Like, I don't love that story he tells, but it would be better if it were true. Right. So Agreed. So So he doesn't lie. Yeah, I agree. Yep. And it just happens to be that he knew those two little boys. and It's like not that hard to believe, yeah, right? Like yep. whatever. Because clearly he's been in the earth, this Earth Kingdom area because this is the same place where Boomy is, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a Broadway. So I mean, that, that's possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is, and this one comes from Chris Moore. I was talking with one of our listeners, Chris Moore uh, of uh, Election Shock Therapy nice. fame. Um, he says you could make it more seriously about the fact that history is constructed. Yeah. You know, so like. Agreed. Which, which, I mean, one could argue that's what this is saying, but it's just does it in kind of a dumb way. <laughs> like you could, you could, you could do something more interesting or more serious about the fact that, that history is constructed out of memory. History is written by the victors and these kind of things. Yeah. And, you know, so Aang is maybe really being postmodern by lying, but is actually like weaving a new myth. I mean, if, if, if instead of it being a lie, if he was, if they, framed it around him creating a new mythology to bound them together. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll take that. I mean, maybe they tried to do that too a little bit, but it's like, but then they, it's a show for kids. And that's, I mean, they're not shy about going into adult kind of themes, but like, yeah, playing that off for kids. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So that would, but that would be better. Yes. Oh, agreed. 100%. Okay. Uh, Number four would be. Something I thought was um, – I will say number four and number five were things I thought were going to be the case. Um, so number four would be make uh, Wei Jin and Jin Wei the same person. Yeah, the names. Yeah, they're just they're just names reversed. So make them the same person and this is about an internal struggle. Hmm. You know, like that would be so easy to do. And that yeah. – like he could have come so, – so Aang could still have known him. And he could have talked about how this was an internal struggle about the redemption – um, practice. It's like, oh, come on. This like this writes itself, right? <laughs> That's a way better ending. I would buy that then. And then uh, lastly, and this is really what I thought it was and kind of what they were probably going for, but just, again, in such a dumb way. Mm-hmm. And then they, they undercut it with the lie at the end. Are you familiar with the film Rashomon? No. Okay. So this is a 1950 Akira Kurosawa film. It's one of the most famous movies Kurosawa makes. Mm-hmm. Um, and Rashomon is, the, is a film about this uh, robbery that happens and it's the story is framed around all of the people involved with it and sort of uh, the people who accused of it or and everything. So it's actually kind of like this, right? Mm-hmm. Telling their version of the story and everyone's version of the story is different and everyone's version of the story makes them look better. Right. Right. And everyone's version of the story is accusing somebody else and everyone's version of the story. This is where Kurosawa is great is they're also confessing to something too. Mm. And it's this powerful thing about memory and storytelling and how it's all fl- – so I, I mean, so as I was watching this, I thought, well, clear, oh, they're setting up a Rashomon thing. Like that's kind of cool and the animation styles are kind of cool. And then they didn't do that yeah. ultimately. And like so, – so I would say like this could have been the great Rashomon episode and it still could have been a bottle episode sort of like it is. It could have – it doesn't – wouldn't push the story along forward but like that would have been a much – a much stronger thing. Oh, um, definitely. Yeah. Or the other option is you could just skip this and watch the movie Rashomon, which is amazing. <laughs> there so you go. That's a great movie. So, so I mean, th- those are my five ways they could have gone about fixing them. Some would require more rewriting and restructuring. Some require almost none. I mean, the New Heart ending yeah. requires almost none. Yeah. There's, you know, um, how, so episode 
one of Star Wars, there's a version of it out there where they cut out Jar Jar Binks. Mm -hmm. I feel like someone needs to take the Great Divide and just like make an alternate ending, like just fix things, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, it'd be, actually be fascinating to know if there are fan edits of this. Oh, true, there might know? be. Um, but I also think you can just excise it too. Yes. Because what's another thing that I found interesting, and to me, this is one of the big tests why this is an unnecessary episode, is I am super into. And I never skip it on Netflix, the previously on Avatar. Because when you do that, they're like, you're, I'm, I'm always watching that when I watch a new episode saying, okay, what are the things they're reminding me of? What are the things I need to take with me into this episode? Mm-hmm. This has a previously on Avatar, but it's, they don't need it. Like it's, it's not, there's nothing. <laughs> doesn't build. There's nothing from the past that yep. comes up. Yeah. So, um, so ultimately this, you told me ahead of time that this is one of the most, uh, not even divisive, but hated episodes. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't believe you. I got halfway through it and I thought, oh, you know what? This is actually, it's not great, but but I got to the end and I and I, I deeply disliked it. Oh, yeah. there. I will say there's one other one coming, not till season three. Okay. But uh, I don't even think it's as bad as this. I think this is the worst, <laughs> the worst one. It's it's going to get better. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and we'll know that in the next episode. Is right? this worse than the war crimes that Iroh maybe committed? <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is the war crime. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> so meta. Yes. Uh, they and w- While he had the, the town under siege, he just projected this episode <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> guy that they had to watch <laughs> wow all that's right torture on that note <laughs> literally <laughs> uh on that note annie that's all the time that we have for right now but uh please get a hold of us channel 3900 at gmail.com email us your thoughts on the show we are um rounding up guests we've been talking about what we're going to do when we get into season two um and we really want to start to insert some guests into that we already mm-hmm. have a list of i think about five or six people we want to have on the show uh if you'd like to be one of those people please let us know if you've already contacted us you're on our list <laughs> of people to contact so uh so don't worry about that uh we need to cleanse our palate from this episode. We so absolutely thankfully, do. we have another episode coming right away in the feed. Uh, and we go from what is definitively the worst episodes to a great episode. Yep. Uh, episode number 12. The Storm. <laughs>